Back, it's episode 45 of Keeping It 200 live on the Spotify Green Room, and of course, on Spotify right after. Shout out to Thriller to open up the show. You're now officially rocking with the best. Tavon should be in with us soon. But anyway, so had a lot to talk about here. Monday Night Raw was last night, and of course, it's another three hour show that sucks, like usual. Uh, Probably the worst thing on the show that I thought about Rob was probably how the crowd does not really like Nikki A.S.H. or whatever the hell her name is supposed to be. But the Nikki Cross character to me, it's supposed to just – for people that don't understand what it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be to get more children to watch, which I get that. But whenever she talks about her superhero powers and how she doesn't have any, that's kind of where everyone – you know, booze that. And, and she apparently was booed very heavily at the super shows this past weekend. Um, but the Raw show last night, like literally it showed me, she's probably going to be the worst booked WWE champion for men or women in probably this entire decade. Probably. Um, she has, she literally comes out for promo. It's terrible. It's scripted. And then on top of it, she comes out and she has a championship contenders match because I guess you're not supposed to say number one contenders no more, which is fine. But then she loses the main event cleanly, gets on the mic after the match, literally says, I almost won. And that was like the battle. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So... And next week, she's having a match against Charlotte Flair again, in case everybody missed Raw. So, bring in the second men now of the Keeping It 200 show, Tavon. Tavon, I I literally just got into this here. Yeah. Nick Nikki Cross is going to be the book, the worst book champion of the next decade. I can't – I'm trying to think that if there was someone probably more worsely booked as a champion. But, Tavon, this is supposed to be the women's champion, and – and and you know what's funny? I, I will say this here about WWE. You know how they usually give you a rematch and a rematch and a rematch? At mm. least they knew no one would probably watch Raw this week because of the Olympics. So next week you're going to get the same match <laughs> because the Olympics was on. So I, I do have to give them credit there. But, but Tavon, uh, what's your thoughts on the first night of Nikki being booked as a champion on Raw? I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say it was um love sack. I mean the first segment of the night, I mean, not gonna lie, I I have been hearing that the fans were pretty much done with her, but Kansas City they they were pretty much they were pretty much um they were pretty much um receiving her pretty um well. Now of course they did the segment did drag on to the point where, okay, Nikki did got booed 
sometimes, but yeah, this. Well, she, well, she was only booed whenever she talked about those fake superpowers. It, oh. Outside of that, outside of that, outside of that, they did chant "You deserve it." They were happy, and I get why they're trying to do it. They're trying to make a babyface champion for kids. Which is actually finally something that they need to actually appeal to. The problem is this is not the person to appeal to kids because I think this is going to come off more worse than it's going to get because at some point, because of the way they're booking her, if she loses next week to Charlotte Flair like she did in the main event and everything and got on the mic and and, and what idiot gave her the – what idiot told her get on the mic and say how you almost won. And then bury yourself. Like, and then you get your ass whooped after the match. So, in my opinion, she's going to be, in a month, she's going to be booed the hell out of the building. Because I can't see Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas cheering this woman. Rhea Ripley got a great pop last night. You know? Charlotte's going to get booed. But that's Charlotte. And I think think that's the whole purpose of everything. I think Charlotte is going to be like John Cena, The Rock, and Stone Cold. In like 10, 15 years, she'll get these big pops. But right now, this her job is just to get booed. It, she's like she's like 2015 Cena. Cena would get booed, but Cena would have these great matches. Charlotte's gonna get booed, and Charlotte's gonna have great matches. That's mm. that's how it's gonna go. Um, but I didn't think not. But I didn't think that. But outside of this Nikki stuff, this this is gonna be tough. I, I mean, but at least the good news is she's at least on TV, and she's a champion. Um, I don't know what that means, but. She's a champion. Um, I think she's going to go down as probably one of the worst book champions ever. Um, but but I did but but I did hear from the house show weekend. She was booed. Um, Rhea Ripley was over and Charlotte Flair was booed. But I mean nothing major. Um, but man, that segment did drag on too long. And then I'm really sick now of Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville because I don't think they understand what the hell an official means. <laughs> because for example, Tavon. They made a triple threat match at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Rhea Ripley lost her rematch last week on Raw, and Charlotte Flair won her rematch on Monday, and Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville denied Charlotte a number one contenders match, but Rhea Ripley got her match last week for no reason, and then you give the women a three-way, and... And then on top of that, then Charlotte said, okay, I'll just take a non-title match with Nikki Cross. And they were like, okay, deal. Like, I don't think they understand what the hell an official means because this was some backwards-ass booking. Yeah, it was <laughs> really confusing. So, so so you mean to tell me. So you got – so you announced the triple threat, but you gave Charlotte and Nikki a contenders match. But didn't you just announce a triple threat? And then you see the graphic. It's like you literally put put that match on the main event for pretty much for nothing. For nothing. And and then on top of that, next week you're gonna get the same rematch for the main event. You're gonna get. You, they've already told you. Look here. Don't even to, don't even worry about tuning into Raw. Uh, next week, if you already saw this past week, and, and if you're anybody that wa- was watching the Olympics, which which if you have, I mean, good luck to you. I mean, because it's been on everywhere. It's been on Peacock USA. I I don't even keep up with the Olympics right now because there's because it's on like 800 different channels, and and I'm just one guy. I'm not gonna keep like looking. Like I will say, I watched that USA basketball game, man, 
And I will say the Ross show was actually more entertaining than the USA basketball game, um, <laughs> which I never thought I was actually ever going to say about that because I'm like, this Ross show was at least entertaining and I could like review it and be like, okay, well, I could fix these things. For the USA basketball team, I can't fix nothing of that team. That team's done for. Like, geez, like put them in the gulag or something, man. I want that team destroyed. I hated that game on Sunday. And, and, and you know what's funny about that USA game, Tavon? They were a minus 850 betting, which means if mm. you had bet $100, you would have won back literally $1.50. What the hell is there someone even betting a hundred bucks for on that sorry ass team? I'm not. No, man. Anyway, so, um, so then we get to the next thing on the Raw. We did have Damian Priest Sheamus, a non-title match, 10 minutes. So in case now you now missed it, Tavon, they've now got this new verbiage. You can't say number one contender. You have to say championship wow. contenders match. Well, here's the reason why they think that you and I will go on and do these shows like this here. Um, and then we'll say, okay, well, if he's the number one contender, who's the number two contender? Like, we know WWE is not the UFC, and I've never once said that a day in my life about WWE. Like, oh, my goodness, who's the number two contender? So, um, but I guess that's the new word. But Damian Priest and Sheamus did have a great opening match for Raw. They actually did. They had close near falls. They had some good big spots here. You know, the crowd was really into both guys, and Damian Priest got the victory too, you know. Um, and, and that was actually the right thing. It's simple logic booking. You make a number one contender, and you've already got yourself a match set up for SummerSlam for the United States Championship. Mm-hmm. I like that match. Good match. Uh, AJ Styles almost against the Viking Raiders. They retained the Raw Tag Team titles. This is pretty much like a four-minute shorter match of the Money in the Bank match that they had. I, I didn't care for it um, because, for one, the crowd is into AJ and Omos, and the Viking Raiders are pretty much dead as as, as it goes to me. Um, because, like, AJ and Omos did not even get an entrance, but they were, like, popped heavy as, like, heels. And I will say this here. When Omos is doing offense, it looks good. But whenever he does any selling, it looks bad. So, I d so for a nine-minute match, I thought it was good to, to, to what it was supposed to be. But I, I don't want almost selling no more for matches, and not, not unless he's working with experienced guys. But it was a fun nine-minute match, and it was good for what it was. Um, the second hour, you know, I feel like this program is probably going to be the one that everyone likes for some reason, despite the fact one's only going to get over and the other one's going to be dead. Jinder Mahal is going to be the one that's going to be dead, people. Um, he cut a promo before the upcoming match. Mahal said he was disgusted that the crowd cheered Drew McIntyre for Clobber and Shanky. I actually have to agree with that because Shanky got hit with that chair like 30 times. So that's even sick to me. Um, he wanted McIntyre to apologize. Then McIntyre didn't respond. Mahal said that he brought his lawyer with him. And, man, I mean, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> and they planned on suing. And Mahal gave him one more chance to apologize. McIntyre just told him to shut up. He asked the crowd if he should apologize and buy uh, a, them a steak dinner. They booed the hell out of that line. <laughs> I'm like, you guys like that line? Like, And then he asked if he should beat Veer within an inch of his life. They cheered that. I'm like, man, you guys are really bloodthirsty people. <laughs> like... So McIntyre led the crowd in a Drew is going to kill you chant. And then the crowd was happy to oblige. Drew McIntyre versus Veer did, was a good three-minute match. 
Because here's what I did like about Beer. He's actually got some speed on him. He's got some power. He's good selling. The problem was it wasn't him in this match. It was the shitty DQ finish because, yeah, like I said, it was a three-minute finish. I didn't really like that finish. I don't like this neither because we don't have to have bad DQs. Like, like what is WWE's point with this? Like, like I would – like, everybody wanted the crowd to just kill Veer. I mean, this – I mean, and, and I will say this here. Good job for WWE for reheating up Drew McIntyre because I did not think McIntyre was going to get back over this quickly. And it, and now he's back over like he hasn't missed a beat. He's back over like he was before the pandemic. That's how McIntyre is over. And, and I am glad that WWE is finally knowing that. Like, like okay, if he was in the Thunderdome, he would be fucked. He really would be because because there was no audience so and they could just control their audience to cheer and boo. So, but uh, finish just came. Literally, here's this finish doesn't even make sense. Okay, so McIntyre clayboard the chair into um, Veer's face, and the ref called for a DQ. McIntyre gave the lawyer a clayborne kick as Mahal and Veer watched from the stage, and they awarded McIntyre the win because Mahal was the one that handed the um, Veer the chair. However, seconds later, Corey Graves said that Veer was getting a DQ victory in the record books because Veer was the one that had the chair up against his face and got hit with it. So the commentators nor the ring announcer knew who got the victory. So this was a very weird finish. Very weird because the commentators – it would have been fine if the commentators just shut up on this one because they didn't really need to do that. Um, they replayed the Eva Marie tripping in Alexis playground. That was like a terrible trip. I don't know why someone would want to replay that. Like Kevin Dunn must really have it out for Eva Marie then. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Eva she Marie... was wearing that hot outfit out after all. <laughs> but, but at the same time, that's the worst trip I've ever seen. Like who the hell would want to replay that? There's no way you could have saved that replay. Eva Marie told Drew, uh, told Piper Nivet or Dewdrop not to worry about last week because if they won tonight, they'd be closer to the tag team titles. And, of course, Natalia and Tamina defeat Eva Marie and Piper Nivet in a three-minute match. Um, it, this match was really weird, though, because Natalia hurt her leg um, during an exchange with Piper Nivet. And the medical staff assisted her on the outside. And Tamina helped her to the back after the match. But thank goodness this was a, just a quick three-minute match. Of course, the finish just comes with um, a Lily Lucian video suddenly playing <laughs> on the screen, which is a parody of Eva Marie's return videos featuring Bliss's doll. And Marie was distracted by the video, so Tamina super kicked her for the pinfall victory. So um, I will say, though, good thing for Natalia, like – I mean, Natalia didn't look like she was, like, really injured. I mean, she was – but, but I mean, it could be something serious. I don't know if she's seriously injured or not. If she is, um, that pretty much means she's going to have to be out for for maybe six weeks because of an ankle injury or, or, or maybe it's just a tweaked ankle. So um, ho- hopefully it's just something that's, like, something she can rest two weeks on. Um Next up, Tavon, we've got um, how do we fuck over NXT segment of the night. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, my God. So before the commercial, they say, well, up next, Karrion Cross takes on Keith Lee. I'm like, okay. So you're not going to mention how they were in NXT together and yeah. Cross beat Lee. They, they mentioned it for five seconds on commentary. 
And I was just like, really? We're not going to talk about nothing. And these guys had an 8-minute and 53-second match. Four minutes was in commercial. And Tavon, um, it was a fine match. But if I were to recommend this match or the NXT title match that they had, I would recommend the NXT title match at TakeOver 30. I would yeah, not recommend this wrong match. 100%. I, I would not recommend this match at all. Um, I will say, Karrion Cross, they are pushing him. They are. I mean, they, because they make him look dominant in his matches. He just can't work a WWE style. Like, like he's working this style, and Keith Lee is not Keith Lee. Keith Lee is not the PWG Keith Lee. He's not the NXT Keith Lee. He's just a guy that's pretending to be a big man, and he's not good at doing that at all. Um I, I did like the finish, though, where Karrion Cross did submit Keith Lee because, you know, they, they did make Keith Lee look strong in the selling of the, the choking sleeper hold, but I, I didn't care for this match, though. I mean, and, and, and Karrion yeah. Cross is NXT champion on the main roster. Like, the crowd was dead for this match. The crowd was just super dead. They didn't care yeah, about this match. Yeah, not going to lie, Zach. When, when this match happened with no, with no build-up, with no segments before the match. This is the match that pretty much just sucked the life out of this show, basically. It really did, because, like, as soon as he came out, his entrance is the thing that sucks the crowd dead, because because it's not even it's not even a good entrance no more. It's, it's so bland. The championship that he wears looks like a prop. They don't even mention NXT champion. Like, 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 like. It's not as if like this is like a guy that I should really watch for my eight minutes. No, this is a guy that's just like there. He's just there now. He's not. And, and of course, he was originally supposed to be scheduled to face Jeff Hardy, but Jeff Hardy has COVID and he tested positive for it Saturday. So if Jeff, if Jeff Hardy is asymptomatic and is does not have no symptoms. He can return to Raw next Monday. However, that means that he's going to have to wait to get another COVID test Saturday. And he has to test negative for that twice, so that way he can get back out on the road. But I'm pretty sure, But from what I've heard, Jeff Hardy's not had no symptoms. And he is fine, and he's at home, and he's quarantining like he should. And he'll be back out on the road in... He should be back on the road next week, which means which means, which, which means we will get Karrion Cross and Jeff Hardy next week on Raw. Because one thing about Raw is we're, we're going to get another rematch. So, um, Then Sarah Schreiber interviewed Nikki about her match tonight. Nikki said she was no longer afraid to fail. She wanted all the little boys and girls to know the hardest challenge was worth fighting for. She knew that no matter what happened tonight, she'd be defending the title at SummerSlam. Rhea Ripley showed up. Rhea Ripley said, look here. She said, I plan on winning at SummerSlam, but I would like to see you give Charlotte Hale tonight. I'm just like, okay. I'm like, man, like, you know, you know, she doesn't even get respect from the other women. Like, <laughs> that's what I find funny about this. Like, like you, like, like if she gets over with children, I guess it's a good thing, but you and I both know, Tavon, Raw's not watched by children no more. It really isn't. And, I mean, maybe <laughs> SmackDown, fun. maybe SmackDown because it's on Fox and it's local, but Raw, I can't see. Um, then we had, um, you know how Randy Orton and Riddle are supposed to be like this strange bedfellows of a tag team. I, I think that they forget about this because they've got now a new storyline. It's Mansoor and Mustafa Ali 
now they are the new Randy Orton and Riddle for some reason because and they and they beat Mason T Bar in three minutes. So yeah. and Mustafa T- Ali, it seems like he's a babyface now. He is, but but now he's he's concerned about Mansoor because because Mansoor's playing Riddle and Ali's playing Randy Orton, and we've literally seen this storyline with Riddle and Randy Orton, and I'm just like. Like, did they forget that they were doing a tag team thing with Riddle and Randy Orton? Because now they look like they've started a new one. Like, it's it's funny because, like, everyone is complaining the most about Raw saying, well, Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns are doing the exact same things for their storylines. I'm like, what about the mid-card storylines? Like, you didn't see Mustafa Ali and Bonsoir? They They did everything, like, what Randy Orton and Riddle did. Like, it was weird. So, Mason T-Bar did a pre-match uh, tape promo where they said they sent little teams like Mansoor and Ali exist to feed on them. They lost to Lucha House Party a few weeks ago. There was there was a separate segment where Mansoor wanted to game plan with Ali, but Ali told him just to follow his lead. And Mansoor and T-Bar dominated Ali and Mansoor. Um, and Mansoor had to save him from being pinned, so Mansoor distracted T-Bar long enough to allow Ali to come back with a spinning kick. Mansoor tagged in, hit Mace with a reverse DDT, but broke um, T-Bar cover up. Ali saved Mansoor by whipping out T-Bar with a tornado DDT to the outside, which was a pretty good one. And then Mansoor saved Ali from being attacked by Mace. Then Mansoor rolled up Mace in the ring for the pinfall victory. Ali acted surprised. Mansoor raised Ali's hand in celebration. Ali wasn't enthusiastic in Mansoor, but did seem impressed. Um, I mean, it's weird. This is a this is going to be a weird storyline. Um, I mean, I do think that they are going to be feuding, though. I, I don't think Ali is a, a babyface just yet, but for this for this tag team, I guess he will be. Um, we had Bobby Lashley respond to Goldberg. MVP spoke about Goldberg disrespecting Lashley as the crowd chanted for Goldberg. So Goldberg is over. Um, Lashley didn't plan on dignifying Goldberg with response. He said the ring belonged to him. So, of course, Tavon, we have to get the Hurt Business re- re- reunion. So mm-hmm. Cedric Alexander comes out. Alexander said that Lashley disrespected him by kicking him out of the Hurt Business. Alexander claimed that um, Lashley did so because Lashley knew he was better. Uh-huh, okay. So then Cedric, Benjamin interrupted. Benjamin noted how Alexander's voice was um, annoying, and the crowd laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, like, I don't think he was supposed to be a babyface shot, but okay, so then Benjamin said he wasn't here to complain about the Hurt Business. He wanted to give Lashley a real challenge, as they argued, MVP told him that they didn't have time for this, and then Lashley got the mic and said, I'll take both of you on at the same time. And then Lashley killed them in two minutes, and then Lashley stacked both of them up and pinned them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Bobby, so yeah. Bobby might as well have him have himself his uh, his own T shirt like Roman. Exactly. I, I I will say I like this. I did like the match though because because you know I was just like I was just like you know what? Why should either be a babyface? Why can't Bobby Lashley just be the damn babyface? <laughs> like they like just have these guys just get killed. I mean, so then we had AJ Styles approach Miz and John Morrison with a proposal. Almost blocked the camera so we couldn't see anything. And then John Morrison and Riddle actually had a really good match for nine minutes. They actually had a really good match until we got to a shitty finish, like usual, um, on this show. I mean, we have to follow up good wrestling with a shitty finish, Tavon. So that's mm-hmm. so that's our narrative for this week. So, of course, Riddle knocked down Miz with a PK. Miz acted like a turtle that couldn't get up again. <laughs> um, Riddle mocked him doing the same. 
Then they get back from break, and Riddle and Morrison go at it. You know, Riddle knocked down Morrison with a spring dive. Um, you had Styles and almost slant her um, down at this point. Morrison used a couple of kicks for two, but Riddle came back with a powerbomb and a knee strike for two. And then, of course, the finish. Riddle began climbing the top ropes, but was distracted by AJ Styles grabbing his scooter. Almost snapped the scooter in half. I was surprised almost could do this. Because scooters are, like, made of metal, and they're, like, 50 pounds. So, that's tough. Um, And then, of course, Riddle was upset because it's not his scooter. It's Randy Orton's. So, the distraction allowed Morrison to snap Riddle and then hit a start pain for the pinfall victory. And then Styles laid out Riddle with a Styles clash after the match. Um, The crowd chanted for Randy Orton, but he did not show. And for people that are wondering when the hell is Randy Orton coming back, he is scheduled for the Raw show next week in Chicago, Illinois. So he should be back for the Chicago show. Should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you're wondering why they did this, AJ and Riddle have been feuding on the house shows. But they haven't broke no scooters. It's just been AJ and Riddle. So now we actually got a reason to go want to see them in the house shows. You, you know these super show house shows that they're doing is like three hours. I, I really like like people have actually been timing it. It's been like over. It's been like right at three hours, and the mm-hmm. best matches I've heard are AJ and Riddle and Sheamus and um, Drew McIntyre. Those are the only matches I've heard have been good. the The six man tag main events, which is the Mysterios and I believe it's the Mysterios and John Cena versus the Usos and Roman Reigns, I believe. Those matches have not been good at all because John Cena comes out, he gets a big pop, okay? And he doesn't do anything. He just waits till like the last five minutes to do all of his big moves and then he wins. So I, I don't, I, I'm, I wouldn't even be, I, I don't even like that. But the good news is Roman Reigns doesn't even do much in the uh, main events neither. So so it's basically the Usos versus the Mysterios, basically, you're getting. Um, And then we had um actually a really fun segment, the 24-7 Championship. Reginald defeated R-Truth to retain the 24-7 championship. Minute 27, Truth was mic'd up for the match. Reginald decided to compete in a full suit. But then again, Reginald always does that. But he does But he does a lot of like good flips and everything. And mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I love the flips in the cradles and the pinfall victory. And it, he made – I mean, Reginald's going to make the 24-7 championship fun. I mean, his entrance for this title is now even fun. He's just doing Cirque du Soleil moves, and, and he's going to get over and then, of course, yep. the 24-7 crew, including Herberto Carrillo, run down after the match to try and pin Reginald, and he just flips all over the group and <laughs> escapes from them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get to our main event. That is no good at all. It's Charlotte Flair, Nikki Ash, non-title match, um, and Charlotte Flair defeated Nikki. She did. She, In fact, Nikki tried a flying crossbody, which – she somehow won last week with this, but Charlotte rolled through into a cover for the pinfall victory. Kevin Patrick afterwards tries interviewing Charlotte after match. She took the opportunity to mock Nikki and say no one was in her league. Nikki admitted she lost. She said she was almost a superhero, and I showed myself that I could have almost won. Wow. Mm. Uh, so then she challenged Charlotte to a rematch next week. Charlotte accepted. This is where the crowd just booed the shit out of this, and I don't blame them. Because, 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 for one, because for one, if you are anybody that goes to that went to this show in the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, and you got tickets to Raw next week in Chicago, 
you really just got fucked over. You really did. You really did get fucked over for this. Like, like, like they basically said, you know, fuck you. We're going to take your money. Like, <laughs> so these, that's an asshole move, man. Like, I understand why they did it because of the Olympics. And I do understand that because, because let's be honest, no one is going to be watching Raw if the Olympics are on. And I get that. It, 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 the Olympics is going to win a hundred times out of a hundred. I mean, but. To say next week that you're going to give us this match again, knowing this match was not good in the first place, is an insult. So then, of course, Charlotte gave Nikki a cheap shot, laid her out with a big boot, and Charlotte dragged Nikki in front of a young fan who held up a Nikki Ash sign <laughs> and chopped Nikki before knocking her down again with a big boot. And the and the whole point of this match was literally Charlotte just whooped Nikki's ass. She kept chopping Nikki's chest up like like. I mean, good God, Nikki's poor chest had to been, like, red as hell after this match. <laughs> There's no yeah. way in hell that chest couldn't have been that red. Because, my goodness, she she took a lot of beating from, from Charlotte in this match. Like, like someone told Charlotte to lay it in, and they and she mm-hmm. really laid it in. So, um, And then, of course, our main event dark match was Mason T-Bar again. And they lost to Riddle and John Cena. So, mm-hmm. so you did get John Cena... If you did go to this Kansas City show, because John Cena was advertised for the Kansas City show, and they did give you John Cena for the closing um, show. So, so I mean, it's a Raw. It's three hours. It's not the worst Raw of the year, but it's definitely not a Raw that you need to go back and watch. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, so, so Tavon, what would you give this letter grade for Raw this week? I, I'm giving it a C. You know what? Um, not gonna lie. Um, it may not necessarily have been the worst raw this year, but at, at first I thought it was. But but it's like, man, when that I mean, the first hour was all right, but when that second hour hit with that carrying cross match, I mean. It it just didn't necessarily pick things up, and it basically kind of just dropped down. Eh, I, I'll have this is this is honestly the harshest I could be. I'll I'll give it a four. It it kind of gets a, a D, I think. Mm. I agree. I, I agree. The reason I gave it a C was because the wrestling was good to find. The the problem was it was just the segments and the Nikki stuff. Just uh, it was close to getting a D for me, but I, but I wanted to give it a C because Riddle and Morrison did have a good match. Mm-hmm. The finish sucked. Um, AJ and Almost versus the Viking Raiders was fun for the nine minutes. Sheamus and Damian Priest did open the show good, so so that was good things. Um, how about this year though? Um, now that we're done with Raw, how about this year? We've got ourselves. The Netflix in 2022, I believe, they are going to be starting uh, WWE and Bloomhouse Media announced Monday that they are developing the United States of America versus Vince McMahon, a limited run scripted TV series that will be the first ever scripted dramatic portrayal of the chapter in the WWF's history. The first scripted um, portrayal of Vince McMahon as well as many legendary superstars of that era. This um, series will focus on the mid-90s in the WWF, to specifically the steroid trial of 1994. Hmm. So this is supposed to be releasing on Netflix in 2022. 
Of course, Nick Khan is um, the one that was behind this with Vince McMahon, and I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, the steroid trial is known for basically being the big thing in the um, in the history of Vince McMahon. I mean, this is something. I mean, this is basically where Vince McMahon pretty much is invincible and pretty much is the the guy that beats all lawyers and judges in court. Um, without the story, I mean, this kind of um, Vince is not known as the guy that can kill people in court. I mean, he's really not. I mean, but at the same time, though, I mean, this is this story is seen in two sides of everybody's coin to wrestlers that are in the business. They believe that Vince McMahon is not guilty to people that cover wrestling like Dave Meltzer. They believe that he was guilty. However, it's hard to prove and they should have never went to court. And I mean, this is a scripted WWE series, so I don't know how much is truthful and how much will not be truthful. Um, but I mean, it should be fun. It should be a fun series to see. I mean, I, I I'm actually gonna be watching it. I, I mean, and and you're gonna have to be wondering here too. I mean, who's gonna be playing Linda McMahon? Who's gonna be playing Pat Patterson, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, um, Vince? Um, Jerry McDivitt, the Vince was Vince's lawyer, um, and Dark Side of the Ring. When they come back later this year, is going to be covering the 1994 steroid trial with Jerry hmm. McDivitt, Vince McMahon's lawyer, on there. Hmm. So, um, Tavon, Tavon, what's your thoughts on this story? Um, it, it's um, it's it's some pretty that's some pretty good stuff coming up. It is, and show, and Netflix does have good scripted documentaries. Netflix actually does. I will give Netflix that. They actually got some really good scripted documentaries. I mean, um, so so I'm actually looking forward to seeing this. Uh, WWE adds John Cena to the Madison Square Garden show September 10th. Um, the reason for this being because without John Cena – uh, house, there's there's no tickets being sold. There really isn't. In fact, SmackDown is only got five thousand tickets sold from MSG, and now with this news here, it'll probably push them up to about fifteen to sixteen thousand, which is a really good number. Um, another thing about SmackDown, uh, another thing about John Cena's house tickets. Tavon, the the two house shows this past weekend were going to be doing record lows, and when John Cena was on this card, they actually began sold out. The T-Mobile Center for the show last night on Raw in Kansas City was supposed to be, like, one of the worst numbers. And that show sold out in the last five minutes. Um, so Cena has been a big draw for the house show business and for TV. Um, I don't know if this is going to be – if he's going to be there September 10th because, remember, he's supposed to be filming a movie. And he has to quarantine because he has to go to Vancouver I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be back for the September 10th. So I think that this might be one of those times where WWE is just trying to lie to get ticket sales up. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, but I mean, keep going with that hand that keeps um, feeding. You know, um, if it's not broken, don't fix it. With if you're going to keep advertising, it, it's and it is working. It is working. I mean, like even the SummerSlam, they're they're doing. I mean, SummerSlam, they're even doing good on that now. So. Um, I, I will say the only show that was not advertised with John Cena was the Money in the Bank and the SmackDown shows when they came back. But those shows did great because those were the first two shows that everyone brought. The Monday show last week 
was the one that where John Cena really just pushed up the ticket sales. So, um, SmackDown final numbers for Friday um, on July 23rd, they averaged 2.137 mil. It's down 7.5% from last week. However, they did have to face the Olympics, which drew over 17 million. And surprisingly enough, Tavon, the Olympics are down 70%. Never thought mm-hmm. I'd say that. I never, but then again, but then again, I can understand why the Olympics have been down because most of it's on Peacock, most of it's on USA, most of it's on NBC, and all this. So I, I do understand that, but it is down seventy percent from the four years ago. However, four years ago there were things more different, so um, we didn't have Peacock and stuff. And um, yeah, but shout out to Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics for that um, SmackDown um, number. Um, AEW's um, homecoming for the August show, August 4th. It's now going to be um, the TNT Championship match. Miro defends against Lee Johnson. On Dark Elevation Monday, the champion came out after Lee Johnson's victory over Luther. Fun fact, Lee Johnson and Luther was actually a match that was made by an AEW fan who won the AEW GM contest. Um, so yeah, but Lee Johnson came out, uh, believe, but of course Miro came out and challenged Lee Johnson and I mean, Lee Johnson, um, Miro should be a good match, um, for the AEW on, on August 4th back in Jacksonville. I don't see no reason for that. Um, and this week we will not be reviewing NXT because NXT is taped and there's really, I mean, we'll go into it just a little bit this week, but nothing major. Um, and, and the reason I say nothing major is because outside of Samoa Joe carrying cross, we saw Rich Holland return. I mean, that's big, but it's not like breaking big and Carmelo Hayes, Josh Bridges. We could review that maybe, but there's really not much to really talk about with NXT because the August 3rd show is one where everything happens with the Johnny Gargano, Dexter Loomis stuff and everything. So, um, so yeah. How about this year, though? For UFC, it's now being targeted for the UFC's first return show to Madison Square Garden this fall. Dana White announced Monday. Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington 2. Um, UFC's 268 in New York City. This is going to be um, a fun a fun affair. The last time they were in MSG, Tavon, Colby Covington actually lost to Kamara Usman, so... Mm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and and one thing about this here though, the UFC last time they were trying to go to MSG was Khabib versus Tony Ferguson, and that fight was canceled due to COVID. So, <laughs> so hopefully the UFC does not have more bad luck when they go to New York. Um. Fun fact: last time UFC did do a show in New York, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson did present the BMF Championship to Jorge Masvidal, and he beat Nate Diaz. Hmm. I know. And then Nate Diaz went to fight The Rock. So, yeah. uh, so, 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 I, so I, I did find that funny because The Rock actually wanted to fight him back. So I was like, oh, I was like, it's like, I was like, oh, Nate Diaz really did find a challenge. So NBA news, though, um, we're not going to go into Team USA basketball because if I discuss Team USA basketball, Tavon, I'm going to get this this big barrage of people saying. Well, it's FIFA rules, okay? <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm going to get people that are going to say to me next, Tavon, 
well, these other countries got better. Like, okay, then show me a country that's scoring 90 points right now. You, you know what I find funny, Tavon? Whenever you make an excuse about how Team USA actually might be exhausted or something, they don't believe that. They they just like, oh, no, these other countries got better. Like, hmm. I, I don't see that yet. I mean, I, I've not seen any country that's like said to me, man, this country really is going to be something huge. I mean, Slovakia for Luka Doncic. I mean, Luka Doncic had 48 in his Olympic debut, which was amazing. But at the same time, I'm just like the teams USA. The teams USA is even losing to. They're not even scoring like 90 points. It's just like. And every time I say like Greg Popovich is not the coach, I gotta get uh, I gotta get excuses. It's like it's like everyone makes an excuse for the other countries. And what's funny is Tavon Greg Popovich is actually a coach for the San Antonio Spurs, whose whose whole thing was he always wanted to draft international players because he scouted them more than anybody. And I'm just like, now you're yeah. making excuses. So, um, but NBA news though. The New Orleans Pelicans um, finalized a trade to send Stephen Adams and Eric Blitzoe in two future first-round picks, including the 10th overall pick in Thursday's NBA draft to the Memphis Grizzlies for center Jonas Valanciunas and a 17th overall pick for this year's NBA draft. Now, here's the good news here about the New Orleans Pelicans here. They get rid of two bad contracts in Stephen Adams and Eric Blitzoe. Blitzoe was going to be making over $26 million. Stephen Adams was going to be making over $33 million. So good news for New Orleans fans. They do lose a lot of salary cap, and they gain a lot. And Jonas Valanciunas is a guy that's on a one-year deal. So if it doesn't work out, they don't lose anything. And they do have the 17th overall pick in this year's draft still coming up. So good news here. And the Pelicans do have the salary cap space now to match an offer sheet for restricted free agent Lonzo Ball or pursue another unrestricted free agent point guard such as Kyle Lowry. And the Pelicans are working to re-sign um, um, re- restructed free agent Josh Hart. So this Pelicans now group now has $36 million in salary cap space. And if they were to lose Ball and Hart, they would drop um, to $25 million if Hart if Ball left and Hart stayed. So it is a good note here. So they so they really do have a lot of space now um, for what the Pelicans get in Eunice Valanciunas, a 29-year-old. Um, who actually shot 37% from three. And you also look at this here for Jonas Valanciunas. Guy is also going to be something incredible. He finished third in the league rebounding last year, second in offensive rebounds per game. So, I mean, they actually do have some good stuff right there for Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, I mean, he's going to be, I mean, so this is actually a pretty good a move here for the New Orleans Pelicans. They not only get someone to help Zion and get a five that can, actually be of a big help. I mean, just ask John Morant about that. And they get rid of a center in Steven Adams who was not great defensively, and they get rid of probably the worst guard last year in Eric Bledsoe. Um, number one, the projected number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, signed a multi-year endorsement deal with Nike. Um, ahead of, um, you know, the 2021 NBA draft, Cade Cunningham, um, he's now not signed a multi-year deal with Nike, so congratulations to him. Of course, Nike is currently worn by 68% of the NBA, which is incredible. And he has an eight-year partnership agreement. So, I mean, and he's joining the likes of LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Paul George, and Kyrie Irving. So, if you're gonna if you're gonna join a good group, join Nike. And Kobe was a part of Nike too. So, um, so yeah, good stuff mm-hmm. right there, man. 
And hey, shout out today, Triple H's birthday. Hunter mm-hmm. Hearst Helmsley, Paul Levesque, 52 years old today. Uh, Tavon, what is your favorite Triple H match if you had to name one or if you had to pick multiple? Ooh, my favorite Triple H match. Um, I'll pick multiple ones. I would have to say Triple H versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 28. There's Definitely a zone. great one. Yeah. There's a zone. WrestleMania 17 match against Undertaker. And, yeah, I would have to say... Yeah, I'm going to have to say Triple H versus Batista at WrestleMania 35. Really? That match? Yeah. Well, well I'm going to say my favorite Triple H matches. I mean... I love the Shawn Michaels won 2002 SummerSlam. Some mm. people say it's too long, but I say it, 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 and it's the perfect Shawn Michaels return. I mean, that was a great match. I love that match. Um, no Way Out 2001 against Stone Cold Steve Austin. How could you go wrong with that? Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, 27 and 28 against Undertaker. Perfect. Um, Cactus Jack um, 2000 Royal Rumble. And I, you can't forget neither the Cactus Jack um, Triple H match, MSG 1996. That was an incredible match, too. And I will give an honorable mention for Triple H Batista, but WrestleMania 21. Ah. I'm going to give it for that one. That that Now, that would be the one that I would give it to. That Definitely, because, because that's definitely... Um, Definitely, definitely. That's definitely one of my favorite ones. And Tavon, we're now getting into some NFL news because I, I don't know what's going on with this guy in Green Bay, but man, I mean, man, oh man. I mean, if he's not doing Jeopardy, if he's not, you know, with his wife, uh, Olivia Moore now, or whatever <laughs> her name is, because it's not Danica Patrick no more. I do know that. Um or, or whether it's him and um, Devontae Adams posting the same Instagram picture of uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen like they've won six championships. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is coming back to Green Bay for one more season. And Tavon, this is how he got and, – and this, and, and I've never seen this dude get out of a contract like this here. Okay, So here's what happens. The Green Bay Packers made concessions with Aaron Rodgers. Here were the concessions. His 2023 contract is now voided. He only has to play one more season. And if Aaron Rodgers does not want to come back to the Green Bay Packers next year, he doesn't have to, and he can become a free agent anywhere um, if the Packers don't trade him. And for Devontae Adams, his wide receiver mate, um, Devontae Adams is on his last year of his contract, and the Packers are willing to now um, reopen up negotiations. However, Devontae Adams is pretty much now with Aaron Rodgers like, if Aaron Rodgers goes to golfing, I'm going to go golfing. If Aaron Rodgers wants to go to Pittsburgh or Denver, I'm going to Pittsburgh or Denver. So, Tavon, what is your thoughts now on Aaron Rodgers? He is officially back at camp for the Packers today. Is the Packers going to win the Super Bowl on Aaron Rodgers last year? Do you think, no, too good to be true? It's too good to be true. This is pretty much do or die for the Packers. I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, I mean, good for them. But, eh, I don't necessarily see them 
when he... Yeah, I, I, I'm going to look at the Packers' schedule for this year because I want to see how good this team does. I mean, they got the Lions to open up the season. They got the Niners after that. They got Steelers, Bengals, Bears, Pack, um, they got the Washington football team, Cardinals, Chiefs, Seahawks, Vikings, Rams, Bears, Ravens, Browns, Vikings, and Lions. This team still should be a good 13-win team. With If Aaron Rodgers is healthy, this is a 13-win team. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very – I think this Packers team is still a 13-4 and four team through 18 seasons, uh, through through 18 weeks of the regular season. Um, but I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl because every time Aaron Rodgers gets in the playoffs, it's, it, you know, like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has only been to the Super Bowl one time. He's been to the conference championship, but he loses all of them. And I, I'm not I'm not buying into this yet, but, but maybe Aaron Rodgers might win a Super Bowl on the way out. You never know. I mean, hey, Brett Favre in Green Bay, his last year in 2008 – they did make it to the NFC Championship game, but they lost to the New York Giants. And so who knows? It could happen again. Um, but yeah, but I honestly think Aaron Rodgers, though, like, like even if he doesn't go anywhere else, I think Aaron Rodgers has pretty much decided he wants to now do TV. Because, I mean, he really was a good Jeopardy host for, for, for whatever it's worth. I mean, he was a great Jeopardy host. I mean, and I, and I still think Aaron Rodgers is definitely – a top five NFL quarterback, but I don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl this year. I can't, I can't predict that. Um, but Devontae Adams, I definitely think will definitely be leaving with Aaron Rodgers, no matter what. Um, and how about this here, Tavon? Here, it was officially decided today that we have now officially gotten the SEC, um, Texas, and Oklahoma have now told the Big 12 committee that they are leaving and are looking to join the SEC by 2025. Mm. So this is definitely now now we could be looking now so now the SEC is now officially going to be having 14 teams by 2025 at least from what it's from what it's looking like now. Of course Missouri was the first team to say that they did not want them back. Um, did not want Oklahoma or Texas, but they have asked to join. It's not. It's not as if it's going to happen yet. But I mean, I mean, this is reportedly going to be discussed Thursday. I mean, you've had the Big Twelve. I mean, Big Twelve Commission. You know, they they are saying that. So this is what I've gotten from the Big Twelve Commission here. They said that Oklahoma and Texas have um, submitted the beginning of the 2025-26 athletic year and have been contemplating and planning on this process. So, I mean, this could be a 16-team super conference. Now now we're, now we're really looking at this here. But, how, how, however, it is unclear because there is still a lot of work, Tavon. I, I will say, so it's unclear whether a, whether a formal vote, which would require 11 of the 14 current members of this SEC conference, will have to vote during the meeting. But from what I've already heard, three teams do not want this happening. So you're going to need all 11 teams to then agree. And maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe all, and maybe the other 11 will just agree, and the other three. I mean, yeah. How about this here though? In some NHL news, Alex Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals is back. Five years, 47.5 million dollar contract, and 
the Vegas Golden Knights, Tavon, in the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. They trade away their goalie and their franchise centerpiece in Marc-Andre Fleury to the Chicago Blackhawks. So the Vegas Golden Knights could be rebuilding soon. Wow. I never thought I'd see that for the Vegas Golden Knights. In fact, they're only a team three years in, have made the Stanley Cup, but but for some reason, Tavon, outside of making that Stanley Cup the first year, they blew a 3-1 lead. Then they lost to the Dallas Stars in the bubble playoffs, and this past year lost to the Canadians. Maybe the Golden Knights... Maybe the Golden Knights are, you know, not having faith in themselves no more. So, which would be very, very shocking if that were to happen. I, because I think the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, I, I do think people are so hard on Vegas Golden Knights. But I think the number one reason they're so hard on the Vegas Golden Knights here is because I think people are very jealous by how successful they've been in three seasons. You know, they made the Stanley Cup their first year. No one saw that ever happening. Um, You know... Yeah, they blew the three-one to San Jose, and they beat, and they lost to the Dallas Stars in the bubble postseason, which really doesn't matter because it was a bubble postseason anyway. But I mean, and they did lose to Montreal, but they did make it very far with Montreal. They made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. I I I, I just think the Vegas Golden Knights are maybe having second doubts about themselves. They traded Mark Andre Fleury, and Mark Andre Fleury was the big reason that Vegas has been successful. What for what they have been regular season wise, you can't beat that of what they've had successfully. Um, but I but I think but I think they're just I think they're getting a little shook up now, you know. And, and you also have to remember too, could could Seattle? be now the new team that makes the postseason and makes the Stanley Cup their first year. I mean, Seattle Kraken's got a, a, a long way to skirt. Now, Seattle does not have no Marc-Andre Fleury or nothing, but but Andre Fleury to the Blackhawks is very surprising. So, But it does mean the Blackhawks are saying that they want to get back into title contention and be back into the postseason contention. So, um, How about this here, though? We're going to go ahead and get to our 200 moment of the night. It's going to be sponsored by Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit and the official partner of the UFC. We're going to kick it off with Dreams, Little Wayne. All right, Tavon, two or moment of the night. All right, so on this day of my 200 moment goes to um on this day of vengeance um 2003 the triple threat match for the WWF I mean WWE championship. Yeah, um, Brock Lesnar, Big Show, Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, in the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado, yeah. You know, fun fact about the Vengeance 03, it was Undertaker, John Cena, first ever time they fought each other as well, um, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yep, and and it's actually funny because the match was, how the opening of the match was Undertaker's bike ran out of gas, 
and that's why he walked to the ring. <laughs> so, so, um, and then don't forget the um, the Invitational um, APA Barroom um, Brawl, which featured um, Bruce Pritchard as Brother Love in that for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> um, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit had an opening great match for the United States title. They did um, great opening match for the U.S. title. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely, I mean. I will. I will say that very, very. Uh, it's like, that's actually a very underrated pay per view. I feel. I think that's actually probably a very underrated pay per view that doesn't get talked about enough. You got the title change, of course, right after Brock Lesnar's going to turn heel and everything. But, but, but that's actually a very underrated. Um, actually, a very underrated pay per view. I, I don't think that's ever going to get credit. It's a 2003 pay per view. Make sure to go check it out though if you guys got time. Um, my 200 moment of the night. Um, is a two-parter. You know, I'm going to give, um, like to just, you know, say something to the passing of Super Porky or the death of Brazilian De Plata. Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't really know a lot about Super Porky, but I did listen to on Wrestling Observer Radio today. You know, his son is Psycho Clown, who is one of the big top stars in AAA. Mm. And, of course... Uh, Super Porky was really over in the 80s when Trios was really, really huge um, in Mexico. And then, not to mention, too, um, you know, died at 58 years old of a heart attack. Um, uh. And, I mean, he was still a wrestler till his late 40s. I mean, and when he gained a lot of weight and everything, when he, when, I mean, even when he was at over 300 pounds, Tavon, this dude was still doing, like, moves from outside the ring, double knees to the ground. Wow. Like, Leo Rush type shit. With, like, at 350. Mm. And, I mean, Dave Meltzer met Just him like one P3. time. Yeah, but this, uh, but Dave Meltzer met him one time, and he said that Super Porky could not even sit down for more than 10 minutes because his back was killing him that bad. Dang. Um, back issues, um... Broken arm, um, of course, weight issues, um, and then not to mention too, Super Porky was also like a really, I mean, I mean, for his later years, he was more com- comedy, where he would have like this crybaby gimmick in the ring, <laughs> which got over for some reason, and then and then he would do like, and then if he was a heel, he would do like these like fake heart attacks, which seemed so real that even the referees did not know if he was fucking around. So, um, definitely a shooter, definitely a shooter. And he got into a, a actual shoot style fight with a new Japan pro wrestler at 40 years of age. Hmm. Wow. I know crazy, but, but he was known for being a tough guy. I mean, and yeah. And of course my second turn moment of the night, I want to give it to AEW because they're going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina tomorrow night. And I'll tell you what, man, I mean, Shout out to Charlotte. Charlotte is going to have a sellout show. From what I've heard, uh, I think there's like less than 500 tickets left, maybe 50 at this point. I don't know. But they sold out the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte. Um, proud of AEW, man. I mean, you're going to get and, – and if you're going to that AEW show, you're getting the five-on-five elimination match between the Elite and Dark Order and Hangman. You're going to be getting um, Christian and – Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy versus um, Private Party and Matt Hardy, I believe, or or Private Party and Angelico. Um, 
I mean, you're getting a really good card. I mean, and you get to and you get the same ticket for Dark Elevation and Dark. So you get you're getting three great shows. You're gonna get three great shows. Shout out to them. Huh? Um, gonna get in. Um, and then of course, before we get into the mailbag, I, I did see BTE this week, and BTE was really weird, Tavon. So I, I don't know if you've been watching BTE or you don't watch it, but yeah, it's, I I. I don't necessarily watch BTE. Well, I well I don't either, but but I do, but I do watch it every other week, pretty much. So I did watch it this week, and Brandon Cutler was actually a member of the Dark Order at one time. Hmm. He was actually um, nine was his number. So of course the Dark Order basically blackmailed Brandon Cutler into getting back onto their show. So <laughs> the Dark Order is now back on BTE. Um, Leva Bates also petitioned for Dark Order to be back on BT, but she only wanted them back on BT because she found Alex Reynolds hot. <laughs> and Peter Avalon said that he was moving on from Leva Bates and said he was moving on to the Lady in Red, which of course is which of course he told Ryan Nimit, Dolph Ziggler's brother, JD Drake, and Cesar Bononi, the wingman. He told them, "I'm going for the Lady in Red," and they all thought Kylan King. And, and I thought too because because I'm like okay well Colin King's six four, he's five something, that could work on TV. It really could. Like like uh, like uh, like you know like it 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 be it it's funny, but it would work because you know it would get over in AEW. I don't know <laughs> if it would get over in WWE, but but short guy, tall girl, tall girl always saves his ass. That works, and it gets Kylan King on TV. Hmm. Except, no, he wanted Abaddon. Ah, yeah, and then whenever, and then he yelled at all three of those guys and said, "Make the date happen," because <laughs> they're wingman. So they go to Avadon, and Avadon's just throwing up green stuff, and then they run away. So, um, <laughs> so, so I don't think Peter Avalon's getting that date with Avadon. But I did find that funny because it actually made me laugh about Peter Avalon. I'm like, I'm like, oh, he wants Kylie King. That actually works. And it was like, like he wants Avadon, like. Okay, then Avatar didn't even pay attention to those guys, so I mean, I did like that. I, I mean, they actually showed some personality about the Wingman, so so if you actually <laughs> want to know something about the Wingman, you actually have to watch BT. You can't watch anything else for some reason. And um, Marco Stunt's the BTE champion, which I did not know this. Oh, wow. I know, so his opponent is Luchasaurus, and they have a handstand contest. And whoever handstands the longest without without their feet touching the floor, is the new winner. And, of course, Marco actually won, which I was very <laughs> shocked. But Luchasaurus held it on for a long time. So, and also, if you're the BT champion, you can't go to Sammy Kofaro's vlog. So, <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on there, but I, I, that's all I was just like. I was just, because cause usually, I mean, there was a reason I stopped watching BT, because one, like, it was just so much stuff added on, and now... With like this next start with this next AEW show, it's just like ugh. Um, some mail questions though for two hundred. Um, uh, if you got a question, two hundred mailbag. Um, dot com though, if you want to send us a question or anything. First question, Tavon. This person here asked, "Do you think AEW should make more championships?" Ooh, should they make more championships? Uh, right now. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they should right now. I mean, they're they're pretty much good the way they are now. 
I definitely say they need to make at least some six-man tag tank titles or make some more mid-card titles or just make titles separately for each show because four titles is very little with all those people they keep putting on Dynamite. So mm-hmm. um, This person here asked, uh, Tavon, are you going to see the new Space Jam movie? I will eventually. Yeah. I, I've already seen it. It's I won't I won't say it's better than the first one, but I'll just say it's as good as the first one. If 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 anybody can just say that. I'm not spoiling that movie. I'm I'm not gonna be spoiling that movie. Um this person here asked, um, could you ever see doing a documentary part of the last dance basically doing review episodes of last dance like we do at wandavision um i I would be fine with that i would um last dance is on netflix and everything i mean or on espn plus um yeah i I wouldn't be opposed to doing that never um and and it is historic in its way you know for it for basketball purposes and everything so so no question um tavon this person here asked um what who do you think is the worst wrestling stance today? Ooh, worst wrestling stands. Oh man. For male and female, they they made it specific. You can name one male and one female stands as well. <sighs> okay, so oh man. The men, oh it's tough. Because not gonna lie, I mean I haven't necessarily had any problems <laughs> when it comes to the men wrestlers. Man, man, this is tough. Dang. Man, I guess it has to be from... I guess it has to be the least interesting. Man, not gonna lie. Not that I've seen them. Dang, I, I might just have to say the worst... Male stands or the Jackson Wiker stands, Ugh, and it's only because he's the least interesting one. Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, and and not to mention too, uh, you know, dude doesn't have doesn't have friends neither in that locker room for what he's done to, um, you know, and what he said as well. Um, what about female? All right, so the worst. Okay, the worst female stands. Okay, not gonna lie. This, this, I mean, some of them can be a given. I mean, you could argue that it could be the Sasha Banks stands. You could argue that it could be the Charlotte stands. You could kind of argue to a certain extent that they can be the page stands because some, because while most page stands can be can can be good and all. I, I, like I, I'm sorry, I just have to say some of these page stands. I mean, they can they can pretty much suck too because they allow and enable bull, bullshit to pretty much happen, in which that pretty much is problematic. Um, and then there is pretty much the Naomi stands, of course. Uh, not gonna lie, I might just have to say the page stands are the worst. Yeah, I, I feel like the worst stands are probably the page stands because I actually know there's actually one girl that actually dresses up just like Paige, um, and, and she kind of does look like her. She actually does, for better or for worse. Um, and I say the worst male stands is definitely John Moxley. 
because because I've actually been seeing on Twitter, like like when Jim Ross said on Grilling Jr. that John Moxley reminded him of Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Every John Moxley stand was just like, oh, he's his own guy. I'm like, it's just a compliment. And then and then uh, this past week on Twitter, oh, John Moxley's not fat. I'm like, what the hell? Like, who the hell ever said that? <laughs> like, what the hell are these people looking at? Like, if, if they start analyzing people's weight, I mean. That that's when I start thinking they're getting weird. Um, final question here. Um, actually, two more questions. Uh, final question. Um, well, this question here was uh, Tavon. What did you think of Matt Cardona winning the GCW Championship over Nick Gage? Um, somebody um told me about it. Um, I just have to say, um, kind of. Kind of pretty cool. I mean, he pretty much won it in bloody fashion. Yeah, I, I from what I heard when they threw the when they threw this trash in the ring for Cardona, everyone says that was for heel heat. But whenever I saw video footage, they were like cheering Cardona. And then I also heard that you know Cardona after the match was also being cheered. And then I did hear, and then of course the fans on Twitter were just like mad at Chelsea Green because. Cardona was like really bloodied up after that match, so of course they went to a hotel, and like everyone like I guess Chelsea Green just like posted like Cardona's like blood all over the place and everything. So oh yeah, yeah yeah that's that I mean but I had but I but I'm proud of Cardona for winning. I thought Nick Gage should have won that match. Um, I really did think he should have won it. I, I think Chris Jericho got involved in that match if I'm not mistaken because of the match they're having Wednesday on AEW, but I honestly thought that. Gage, Gage should have won it and then dropped it next time because Gage is coming to TNT and I thought it would have been a nice way to just make him just have him come out as the GCW champion you know I mean get them some recognition I mean because a lot of people don't really know GCW I mean but I mean proud of them but I mean it, from what I've heard everyone liked the match I mean I'm not going to go out my way and watch that kind of match because I'm just Nick Gage to me I mean I, I understand that he might be some people's like good like wrestling buddy, but I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to this match though with Jericho. I mean, if he has a great match with Jericho, then then I'm gonna get on board. But I, but I've already didn't like his dark side of the ring one, and uh, I, I but I definitely but I'm but I'm waiting to see if this match will get me on board with Nick Gage. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. Um, and final question was, uh, Tavon, were you going to be watching the NBA draft uh, Thursday night on ESPN? Hmm. I will for perhaps yeah. the first round. Yeah, I, I definitely plan on at least watching the first round of the draft. Um, and of course, we can just review about that um, Friday if you know, if I, as long as I'm not busy. But um, but definitely, the next time we'll be back on here, we'll be reviewing AEW Dynamite the next day, Thursday. So so um, for keeping it 200, episode 45, we're going to go ahead and close it out with some more dreams by Little Wayne. And that'll be it for episode 45 of Keeping It 200. Make sure to check us out on Spotify right afterwards. For Tavon Jameson and myself, telling you good night and peace. Peace.